Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I will bless his holy name. I love what Anna just shared because people come in with perceptions. And they see y'all up here, or me up here, and they see y'all, you know, dancing or singing, and, and we think you're always that way. <laughs> and because you think people are always that way, you sit back there and you think, you're not normal. You're not a good Christian. You're not spirit-filled. You're not, you're not, you're not. The fact of the matter is, as we've been studying the soul and mental health the last four or five weeks that, that I've taught. One of the first things we talked about is what is normal. Who set what normal was? What is, what's pictured in your head might be a misconception of what normal is. And the enemy is always going to try to make you think you're not normal. But there's not a single temptation that's been known to mankind uh, that Jesus didn't cover. And so don't sit there and think, every single one of these people up here probably had to make a choice today. And some days are better than others. It's easier to make that choice. Woo, we're going to church. But there's a lot of empty pews. Well, there's not a lot of them today. But there's a few empty pews where people are not here today because they didn't feel like it but what happened to your feelings they changed they changed because when we magnify the Lord and I'm not saying you know church is God but church is a part of God because Jesus is the head of the church and you can't separate the head from the body if you separated the head from the body you got a problem and so Whatever it is, when you don't feel like it, we're, we're working through and learning what feelings really are. Emotions. The, the, the origin of those things is God. But when the curse came into the earth, some things got twisted around. And the flesh started, started leading instead of the spirit. So we can have feelings, but we can lead our feelings and our emotions can follow our decision instead of our decisions being made out of our emotions so we're getting a hold of it and we're going to keep teaching it until we feel like we have a revelation of it but thank you for choosing to worship whether you felt like it or not because something changed in the room when Anna shared that it set some it set some things in motion And don't you appreciate our worship team for leading us into worship. Amen. If you're not going to play behind me while I preach today, you can can be seated. We, uh, was it Todd Virginsky, I think, that sent us all a message. Sent some of us a message. And uh, I've thought about going all Stephen Furtick on y'all and get me a little organ going up here behind me. But I just think y'all would like... You do just what Travis did. Y'all welcome home Travis and Alicia in the house. They haven't moved back, I don't think, but y'all keep praying. We'll gang up on them. It's good to have them home. Alicia was on staff here for years. We got to, I got to spend every day with her for I don't know how long. Uh, she babysat both of my kids. 
uh, as they were growing up, so we go a ways back. I was her first Sunday school teacher. I think I was 12, and you were, I don't know. We weren't that far apart in age, um, but we go a ways back, and then uh, she married well. And uh, many a walk, Tanya and I took, uh, our walk, my walking partner and I, and we would pray for Alicia's husband. And uh, how many years y'all been married now? Thank you for answering. Travis just got a blank look. So uh, we really appreciate you coming out with that number. 13 years, and uh, he has been an answer to prayer. Perfect, perfect uh, couple. And then he helped us here as well, ministered the Word many times, a great scholar of the Word of God and, and anointed to do so. So uh, welcome home. All right. Let him help. That's been our title for five sessions. God has provided for our mental health. Let him help. I'll give the same disclaimer I've given almost every time. I'm not a doctor, but I do know the great physician. I'm not telling you not to go to a doctor. I'm telling you whatever you do, let God help. Let him direct your steps and what you need to do and who you need to see or what you need to say and what you need to change. He has paid for your mental health. Jesus suffered so you could be free. It's, it is an option that we have, but we have to take it just like we have to take salvation. Well, it's part of salvation. Salvation is a bigger word than we give it credit for. It's not just saved from hell. It, it's, it's, it's saved. Wherever you need deliverance, that's what salvation is there for. So I'm not going to go back through the review. You can get the QR code in the back if you have a smartphone. If you don't, you can come take a picture of my notes or somebody else's notes if you want to. Uh, part one, we talked about him suffering holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, suffering holy for us. Part two, we, we talked about encouraging ourselves uh, we went through some different examples in the Bible of those who had suffered mentally from different circumstances. And we talked about you're not too far gone. You're not too far gone. If Nebuchadnezzar was not too far gone, dude, you're not too far gone. Unless you're out eating grass and you've grown some hair that looks like feathers, you're, you're, still, in, you're still in the running for sound mind. He came to himself, the scripture says. He looked up. And came to himself. Part three, we talked about the restored soul. Loved that one. Um, instead of the briar, came up the myrtle tree. He, he puts an instead of in Isaiah 55 that tells us what we can have instead of what was. And something different comes up. Part four, we talked about anxiety. We talked about girding up the loins of our minds. Remember that one? That was last week, I believe. And Wednesday night, Bonnie Sue knocked it out of the park. For those of you that were there, it was fantastic. We've been doing a series on faith on Wednesday nights in our in-depth Bible study. But the study on faith and the study on the mind have collided because that's where the battle is. So, you know, they're, they're just coming together. They're just smack. They just hit each other. And so mom taught on the mind uh, Wednesday night, it was fantastic, and I'm going to re-preach it for you today. No, I'm not really. But I will tell you this, the most powerful thing that she said that I got a hold of was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your mind. That's a commandment. Are you loving God with your mind? How do you love God with your mind? Oh, it was fabulous. It was a, it was, I'm about to do a Tim Brooks up here. That was great. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Did I do that pretty good? No. No, it wasn't near Tim Brooks. Uh, I aspire to be. Psalm 43 verse 5 has been our base scripture. It says, why are you cast down, O my inner self, O my soul? And why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? Hope in God. You know what he's fixing to do? He's talking to his, his mind. He's like, I don't know what's going on in me. And we talked about that from the get-go. There's just days that you just, something's off. Something's off. You're, 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 you're not thinking right. You're thinking in the wrong direction. And he, he realized he's going through this. And he said, what's going on with you? And then he starts talking to you. <laughs> he starts talking to himself. And that's one of the greatest tools you have is your words. That's what we're going to study today. He said, you hope in God. You wait expectantly for him. You will praise him who is the help of my countenance and my God. You know how your countenance is going to change? That right there. That right there. Let him help. Let him help. We're going to talk today about our mind and our mouth. Mm, the great connection. The great connection between our mind and our mouth. Our problem has been that we want to say whatever comes to our mind. Instead of saying what we want to come to our mind. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. You can sow into your mind what you want to say by saying it. You can plant the word in your heart, if you will, to the point that it changes what's coming out of you. And if you're negative and you're critical and, and, and you can put your label on it, whatever you battle with, you can listen to your words and you can know what's in your heart. And a lot of times the heart of it is bitterness. You know, I went back and we're not going to, well, I guess we are going to talk about it because I'm talking about it, but wasn't in the notes. I went back and read about Naomi in the book of Ruth. And you know, her, her husband died, her two sons died. I mean, it's not a good time, right? She's dealing with things. Ruth goes with her. They're going to go home. The people back home, they're so excited to see her. They're like, oh, is that Ruth? I mean, is that Naomi? Is that Naomi? Is that Naomi? Naomi says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter. She wanted people to call her that. That's depression. Don't get to the point that you want attention so much that you glory in your depression. I'm going to say the depression because it's not yours. And it's, there's times that's tough. Because you get attention when there's loss. 
You get attention when there's pain for a while, and then people start walking away from it. That's just a cold, hard fact. It's one of the biggest things we talk about in our, in our mom's group where all of us have, have a, chill, a child in heaven is how many friends you lose. Because when they see you, they see pain and they don't want it. So she's coming back and everybody's like, hey, is that Naomi? She's like, mm, don't call me that. Call me bitterness. That wasn't in my notes, so apparently that was for somebody. Y'all can all breathe lightly now. We're going to go right back here. Our mind and our mouth, the two areas are so connected all through scriptures. And, and of course, the first thing that comes to your mind is, is Romans 10, uh, verses 8, 9, and 10, where he connects the heart and the mouth, the mouth and the heart, the heart and the mouth. The mouth. It's how you were saved. You believed in the heart and you said with the mouth. The, the, the two things are, they're a divine connection and our mental health is no different. The health of our minds is connected to the health of our words. The health of my mind is connected to the health of my mouth, of my, did I say that wrong? The health of my mind is connected to the health of my words or my mouth. And you know, last week, Bo's not here, so I'm not going to get heckled from the fourth row. Cody, you might have to represent him. He made fun of my drawing last week. And I started to make a drawing this week, but I was afraid Bo was going to be here. So I, I didn't want to show up on TikTok. So here we go. I'll just imagine this drawing in your mind, or you can draw it on your page if you're, if you're good. But I, I, I sat there and I thought, okay. If I draw I, in my head, I drew like the shape of a dress because I'm a woman. Um, I'm going to remain a woman. Um, <laughs> I, I imagined filling that shape with the words that have recently come out of my mouth and thought, what would that look like? If what I'm speaking showed up, manifested in words on my body, how pretty would that be? How healthy would that be? Well, if that hurts to think about, we've got to do something. We've got to do something. And so we'll talk about how. And the great thing about today's message is you can start right now. I mean, well, you are. I love something I heard Gloria Copeland say this week. It was you know, one of her old healing schools. She said, faith comes by hearing, but it goes out by saying. And, and so you're hearing the word. Now if you'll take this word and you'll start saying it and you'll be obedient to what it says to do, then it accomplishes something. Don't ask me to repeat it because I don't have that written down. But faith comes by hearing, but faith goes out by speaking it. Proverbs 16, 24 says this. It says, pleasant words are as a honeycomb. Their pleasant words are sweet to the soul and health to the bones. What? How complicated is that? How, how difficult is that? Pleasant words 
They're like honeycomb. And I started to call Corinne and John and say, beekeepers, um, help me understand honeycomb and said, I Googled it. But it has a lot of benefits, has a lot of health benefits to it. And I wrote a few down uh, in my notes, but it's, it's great for your immune system. It, it's great for your heart health, your liver function. It was just amazing what all the honeycomb was good for. And he said, pleasant words are as. They're as, the honeycomb. They are sweet to your soul and they are health to your bones. Pleasant words, your words, have an effect on your soul and on your body. You can start pleasant words right now. You don't even have to know a scripture. I just don't know much of the word of God. Pleasant words. Has an effect on your soul, has an effect on your bones, on your body. That's pretty amazing. Well, what do you think unpleasant words do? We're living in a culture that's full of unpleasant words. I took the kids yesterday, the, the grandkids, to get snow cones. I owed, I owed them snow cones because I'd promised them snow cones the other day and their mom showed up too soon. I didn't give them to the snow cone. So we loaded up all three and uh, Grayson wasn't with us, but uh, Chelsea's three, and loaded them up, took them down snow cone. And um, Jordan Paul fell asleep, so he didn't get his snow cone. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. Just totally. <laughs> Apparently, I'm, we're not supposed to go there. It'll come back to. Oh, they're they're cute, and the snow cones were good. But who knows? Who knows where that was even going? I'm sure there was a purpose and a plan, but it's gone. Pleasant words. What does it look like? Unpleasant words. You're in a culture. That's where I was going. Some guy had this music playing from his car. He's in the snow cone line. I'm in the snow cone line. I got kids in the snow cone line. And this foul-worded music, I just jabbered like 90 miles an hour so my grandkids would not hear the words that were coming from that car. You know why? Because unpleasant words, they have an effect on the soul and they have an effect on the body. And so when we talked about last week about girding up the loins of our mind, we've got to guard the gates. <laughs> we've got to guard the gates. And especially this one, because we have control of the mouth. We, we are responsible for the mouth. We're responsible for the ears, but we all know there's sometimes we hear things that we don't have a choice to hear, but we can, we can get rid of those thoughts, can't we? Proverbs 18.20, uh, you're familiar with this one, but as Anna taught us well today, uh, let's read it fresh. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. That helps me sometimes if I read a different version to not to fall in that trap of, just saying it out of rehearsing it. Proverbs 18.20 says, A man's self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth. And that's when I thought about filling that dress or that body uh, up with my words and seeing what that looked like. And I believe this is going to be a revelation to me in days to come that when I say something that's not lovely, 
it's not of good report, the, the scriptures that we covered from Philippians, uh, that I will begin to visualize that because I'm a visual learner. And if I have a, a visual example, it's more powerful to me. And so he says, a man's self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth and with the consequence of his words, he must be satisfied whether good or evil. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who indulge in it will eat the fruit of it for death or life. And, and y'all, there's so many people who get upset over uh, preaching or teaching about words. That's what God does. I mean, it's the system he functions from, and it's the system we're created in his image and after his likeness that he gave us to, to sow and to reap things in our life, to change circumstances and, and things around us, to call things chaos into order, to, to tell the seas to be still, to talk to the atmosphere when storms are predicted. He gave us that authority to function in, and yet when it comes to our everyday talking at home or at work, we're, we're missing the point. It's always working. Not just when you plan to say something, and that's important. Sowing words on purpose is important. But if we believe that those things that we say will come to pass, can you hear my dad? Not this thing, but those things that we say, everything that we say. That's why Jesus, he didn't mix words. You don't hear him mixing words. You don't, you don't hear him just small, small talking because words are that powerful. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And if you use it, you're going to eat the fruit of it. And that's either going to be death or it's going to be life. We'll go to another passage from Deuteronomy. Choose life. I've set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Choose life. Why? So that you may live. You and your seed may live. Our words are not temporary. They don't die when they come out your mouth. They, they come to life when they come out your mouth. I remember one time Travis was teaching. He talked about flicking seeds. Do you remember that? That's what your words. You're flicking seeds. Don't, you didn't just say that. Oh, I just said that. I didn't mean that. I just said that. It... it it matters, but it really doesn't matter because you just threw out a seed. And if we use this thing, we're going to partake of the fruit of those words that came out of our mouth. Now, there's repentance just like there is for any other, any other sin or transgression. There's repentance for it. And I've said things before and I have taken it back. I've said, nope, mm-mm. I take that word back. I, that will not have fruit. And, and it's okay to do that while you're learning to control the mouth. If you're filled with what you're saying, what does it look like? Does it look like life? Does it look like death? I get tired of people talking about sickness and disease and ailments and weaknesses and tiredness and, and medications and, <laughs> I mean, 
hey, if you're ill, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the healing power of Jesus Christ and how he bore your sicknesses and your diseases in his body so that you could be free from sickness and disease. If we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it in the right light. And Because what does it look like if we don't? Does it look like joy or depression? Does it look like sickness or health? Does it look like love or hate? What do those words look like that we're letting out of our mouth? And, and Proverbs 21 says, it's verse 23, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue will keep his soul from trouble. Keepeth. You know what he's saying? Guard it. Guard your mouth. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. Your soul and your mouth are connected. There's a direct influence there that if we don't see it, we won't use it correctly. We'll use it. We just want it used where it's growing fruit that we want. Now, if, when you hear this, don't panic. God, God has a plan. He has a way. And I realize that James talks about the tongue no man can tame. But the good news is we're not reliant on man to tame the tongue. We rely on the anointing and the word that's anointed and the Holy Spirit, our helper, to nudge me when when my mouth is headed and my words are headed in the wrong direction. Is anybody open to that correction? Because it can be subtle sometimes, Avery, and it can be subtle. It's just so easy to start talking about something, especially when the people around you are talking about something. And I remember, I don't, well, I don't remember who said it. Maybe Jerry Savelle years ago. That we needed to learn the art of silence. And if you're in a situation where it's not a situation where you can correct I don't recommend that you correct your boss. You know, there's just certain things that there's a, a time and a place to handle things. And they're all sitting around talking about things. Just don't join in the conversation. Guard your mouth. Guard your tongue. And you will keep your soul from trouble. Who am I responsible for? Me, my soul. So go with me to Matthew 12. We'll spend just a little bit of time here. Because this is so important that we understand how this works. I feel like I've paced up here. Like Y'all got me pinned in up here on the platform. Let me move around here. This is also recorded in Luke. Matthew 12. Go on down to verse 33. And as always, when you're not in here, please always read above and below wherever we are so you can get things in context. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version on this one, if you have a device. 
Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. (laughs) Oh, this just doesn't line up with today's political view of Jesus. (laughs) You brood of vipers. (laughs) Jesus was so cool. He is not anything like the world tries to picture him. He was inclusive, all right. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are, when you're evil, when there's wickedness in you? How can you speak good when there's wickedness in you? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It will speak. If it is in your heart, it will speak. Now, that'll cause a lot of people panic because they know what's in their heart on some issues is not good or about somebody or they know it's not good. What do we do? If what we're speaking is not good, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah, change, but how how do you change what you think? How How do you change what you feel? What your emotions are telling you from experience or circumstances or what people have done. And that's in you. And that, oh, it's just so aggravating sometimes when I think I have something handled in an offense. And then something happens and I realize it's still in there. Thank you, Sharon, for being my amen corner. You're the only one I got today. Out of the abundance of the heart, your heart, your mouth will reveal what's in your heart. Your mouth will, and don't, don't hate that. That's good. Because I'd rather know and deal than to be ignorant and be reaping death. So when, when it comes out your mouth and you catch it, what do we do? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure... Brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Oh, thank God for my dad. He would use the word deposit there. And it just makes so much more sense when you use that word. Let's read it that way. The good person out of the good deposit brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil deposit brings forth evil. You can't bring up what's not in there. So if it's not in there, we're going to put it in there. If we want it and it's good and we're not drawing good out, we're fixing to change what's in there to the point. And this is the the kicker. It takes some due diligence here. We have to keep depositing the good till it is more abundant than the bad. And then automatically what comes out of your mouth is good. And this is what a lot of people do. They'll work at it for a couple of days. Well, if you've got, as of this coming week, 56 years of putting wrong thoughts in your heart and saying the wrong things and pressing that, depositing that into your heart... Sometimes it takes more than a week 
to have the good in abundance. I'm still doing it. I'm still working on it. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Because we're headed in the right direction, aren't we, church? We're headed in the right direction. We don't want that stuff in us. We want a pure heart. Not because one little thing will keep us out of heaven, but because we love God so much. And he provided us with so much. We want that life that he provided. And so we keep working at it. And, and friends, good friends, and good mates, gently, can help each other when we hear things come out of each other's mouths. I give you permission. I like the gently, yes, gently. It's wise, honey. Verse 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Somebody's alarm's going off. hope that's not my time's up alarm. How do you make deposits into your heart? If, if you missed Wednesday night two weeks ago, where we watched the clip from Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she talked about walking the poodle. You'll know if you were, if you were there. It was great. It was great. We, we were talking about Mark 4, and, and she did a little clip of Mark 4 from, from a neuroscientist's side, from the brain standpoint. If, if you want to make good deposits, you've got to be speaking the right things. And that this is that mind-mouth connection. What comes out of your mouth is in your heart, but how you get in your heart what you want in your heart is by your mouth. So it's this cycle of I'm going to say what God says until I have it in me. She called it walking the poodle. Literally in the brain, there's this this track in this tube that's literally a, a real estate in your brain, if you will. And she talked about us. That's why we repeat the word. That's why we, and she said it, they look like little poodles. That's where, why she says that. She said it looks like little poodles. And, and the more you meditate the word and say the word, it's walking that poodle, and that poodle is imprinting in your brain. Oh, it's fascinating. It literally changes, changes little things in your, in your brain, physically changes little things in your brain. So we, we say what the Word says, and that's how, or the good things, and that's how we deposit in our heart, and we do it till it's in their abundance, and you'll know when you get there, Angela, because that will be what automatically comes out of your mouth. Until then, we're like, oh, mm, i got to think to say, and that's okay. Because that's part of the steps. It's okay to, to start to say something and stop yourself and say, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say this. That's part of growth. But there will come a day when somebody brings up that person's name and what comes out of you from the abundance of your heart comes from a good deposit instead of a bad one. I know it takes work. I know it takes work not to talk bad about your health. I know it takes work not to talk, talk bad about 
who you are, how you see yourself. It takes effort to change what you've always seen. But the good news is we can change it. There is a, this isn't just positive thinking. Positive thinking has some positive things. It does. But thinking the word has an anointing. It has an anointing. It has the power of God in it to change what you think. To change what you think. And there's a huge difference. I love positive affirmations. I love positive thinking. But you add the word on that, you're fixing to destroy some yokes of bondage. Annihilate them, the scripture. Destroy, annihilate them. And, and it, I can't explain to you how all this works. Other than the scripture says what it says. And I'm obedient to it. You're obedient to it. And therefore we can expect what God promised when he said it. Negative thoughts, negative feelings need God's positive word spoken. If you're, if you're not speaking God's positive words, you're not going to change the negative thoughts and feelings. Positive thinking does not have the power to do that. Have you ever just willed something to change in the way you thought? I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going, to, I'm not going to say that. You know what you do? You say it because it doesn't have the anointing on it. It's just sheer willpower. Sheer willpower never got me very much. It lasted for a while until I got tired. But the anointing's different. And I'll say what we've said almost every week. The way you're thinking is not terminal. It's not terminal. You, you can change it. You can change it. With God's help, let him help you change it. And get negative thoughts, put God's positive word, and speak it over it. Now, why words and not just thoughts? It starts with thoughts. Why, why do we need to put our words with thinking right instead of just thinking right? Words have power. Words have power. Words express our will. God needs my will. He can work with my will. If I give him my will, and it, it, there's an authority factor here that God put in the book of Genesis forward and when we speak, there is an authority to that. And so, yes, it's great to think positively. It's great to think God's Word. We're taught to meditate His Word. But if you study meditation, it really has a lot of muttering in it too. So there's a lot of mulling over and saying what God's Word said, not just, not just, um, not just thinking it, but seeing it and talking about it. And so it's important that you add your words because you state your will and you release your authority. I love something that John Lindell said. He said, Our feelings are not always chosen, but our words always are. I know. Kind of stings a little bit. Our feelings are not always chosen, but our words always are. So when whatever rises up, that feeling rises up on the inside of you, if it's depression or anxiety or hatred, uh, bigotry, any, anything rises up on the inside of you, that feeling comes, what are you going to do? You're going to speak. 
You're going to say what God's word says. You're, no, mm mm-mm. No, I'm not led by my flesh. I'm led by the Spirit. Because to be led by the flesh is death. But to be led by the Spirit is life. Right? That's what the Scripture says. You don't have to quote it in King James Version. you got to have the principle of it. That's what matters. It wasn't written in the King James Version originally anyway. If you all have questions about that, you can see Travis. It's a big subject of his. I love it. There will be a time when the balance and the scale of your words are forced to shift from negative to positive. And that's when that abundance goes from negative to positive. You'll know it when it happens because there will be a joy with it. There will be a joy with it. There will be a praise with it. And it will go from critical words to healing words, from depression words to positive words. And and this just whole shift will start taking place because of what you've chosen to speak into your heart. And because you've chosen to keep your mouth. And if you can't let anything good out your mouth, learn how to keep your mouth. Just until you get it under control. Uh, Mom talked Wednesday night about pushing things back. A fool utters his whole mind. (laughs) But the wise hold it back till afterwards. Till after what? Till it's wanting to jump out your lips. Push that back. You learn this in marriage. Some of you (laughs) learned it in marriage. You know, not everything that comes to the front of your mind needs to come out your mouth. I'm trying, babe. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm working progress. Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoso keepeth his mouth keepeth his soul from troubles. We talked about that. Keepeth means guard, to protect, to hedge about. What? Guard, protect, and hedge about your mouth. That kind of reminded me of the garden. Kind of reminded me of the garden. Wasn't that God's request of man? You keep the garden. Because what, what, what happens here is what you're going to live out of. I believe that's the whole message we just said today. Adam's sin was not getting that serpent out. Because the serpent was bringing death. So it's our assignment, church. If those negative, destructive words are death, if life and death is in the power of the tongue, why are we letting death sneak in like the serpent? Because we got to live out of that garden. And that's what he said. We're going to eat the fruit of it. But he's given us the answer. (laughs) He's given us the plan. All we have to do is be obedient. Psalmist David said this, and we'll say this in closing, Psalm 141.3. He said, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I mean, we have guards here. We have a security team here. You may see them, you may not. They're pretty, pretty ninja 
We set a guard at the door of this place. They have a job. I believe God gave us his word to stand guard. That we would know what we needed to put in and we would know what we needed to send out. He wants life put in you. And he wants life coming out of you. He wants you to sow life. He wants you to reap life. He wants you to give life. And here's, here's the thing. We don't realize that when, not just when we're talking to ourselves, but when we're talking to each other, we're sowing life or death. And they have a, a choice to accept or decline. But people don't know how to decline. That's why half of us have had to outgrow some things that were said to us in our lifetimes. Because that seed was flicked and it took root in our hearts and, and we partook of it for the rest of our lives until we got a revelation of Jesus Christ. We took his word in and it uprooted those things and brought life where there was death. But let's not just be aware of our words for the purpose of us. Let's think about our words and the people around us. Because you can speak life where other people have spoken death to other people. And you can watch the look on their face change when they see hope that they are not what somebody else said they were. It's beautiful. God gave you that power to sow life instead of death. We're not afraid to use it, are we? We're going to use it. Amen. Y'all can stand. Man, y'all short-winded today. Y'all going to be at the front of the buffet line, Josh. I've, I've enjoyed this study. I don't know if we'll continue it next week or not. But I needed some, I needed some help with my soul. You know, just, hey, just because you wake up and, and you don't feel like whatever you think, it, that doesn't mean that's the way things are. We can change atmospheres. We can change attitudes. And God's Word has given us the power to do it. And we're, we're doing it. And we can help each other. And I believe that's the beauty of the body of Christ. Please don't take someone helping you wrong. It can, it can be life-saving. Speak life into people. Father, I thank you for these. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place today. Because it can bring more healing than in one minute than I can, I can do in an hour of teaching. Just to look at you and to magnify you. To realize that what's happening on the inside of us, what we may feel doesn't have to dominate. It doesn't have to rule us. We are spirit. And our soul has to obey us. Our body and our soul, they're our servants. They're not our lords. So we take authority over anxiety and depression as we have every week. We say you don't live here. You don't live here because we are working. We are, we are doers of the word and we will be blessed in our doing.
The anointing is on the Word. The Word has entered our ears, and we are choosing to put it in our heart. And we will have something to draw out that is life. And we thank you. We thank you that our thinking is not terminal. But you are at work, and we are going to let you help. We listen to you, not just in the teaching, but in your word. When you talk to us, when we go home and we meditate on what we've heard, that you give us steps, we'll be obedient to follow them, and liberating will happen in our souls. To God be the glory for healthy mental health that you provided. And no disappointment, no delay, no seemingly failure can tell us who we are. We are who you say we are. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. The church said...